Henry sisters on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden Away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, Coming Home Newcastle's number one podcast of all time. I'm with a man today who loves Atlanta, Georgia so much that he puts chicken and waffle pieces in his yogurt. Elijah Newsom, how are you today? Dude, that's gross. <laughs> so gr- I, I hate yogurt, but I do eat chicken and waffles, but I've, like yogurt is like a top three disgusting thing ever. <laughs> it's so gross. I don't know why people eat it, dude. It smells weird. It looks weird. It tastes weird. Uh, it's just like... Are you gross. being anti-Greek right now? I'm not being anti-Greek. I, I don't... I'm just anti-yogurt. So <laughs> I know the Greeks are in love with it, but I'm just not. It's not oh, anti-Greek. Man. It's anti-yogurt. It's not me. It's your yogurt. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, guys, we have a podcast and we're doing it right now, as you can tell because we're talking and we have some good news to report we did not lose despite our predictions oh yeah we did not lose to everton our combined aggregate score was five nil to everton and that's not what happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is not what to happen um so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about wolves some very interesting news about a potential boycott that we'll get into and then we also have a very important interview because if you don't have a Twitter, you will not know this. And if you do have a Twitter, you better know this. But Roberto Rojas dropped a big bomb today. And that's that's former guest, friend of the pod, Roberto Rojas. And by the way, we're calling them Ro-bombs now. Ro-bombs. He drops ro Oh, I love, I love that. Elijah. Thank you. Someone didn't read my article where I trademarked it. Just saying. I guess not. Yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> Ro-bombs. I love it. So... Yeah, so we're definitely dropping row bombs with an interview with him about the news that he dropped today, and that will be in just a little bit. But first, I want you to follow us. Give us a follow at Coming Home NUFC, and our podcast account is at CHN underscore radio. We're dropping some pretty hot fire stuff there, and you're gonna need you're gonna need it, especially with us being based in the Southeast United States and a lot of the news from Newcastle is coming out of the Southeast United States. This is a great time to get on board. So join up. Also get a free account on our website. It's coming home, Newcastle. Uh, yeah. Coming home, Newcastle.com. I was going to do the SB nation one, but we, that doesn't matter. Coming home, Newcastle.com sign up. It's completely free and you can comment. We'll reply back to you and you can even put your own fan posts on there. Pretty cool site and pretty cool. Yeah. Action. Someone replied, someone commented on an article today yep. asking what, <laughs> a little bit premature, but they're like, what, what number do you think Albert's going to wear? Because I'm going to buy his Jersey. <laughs> like, Oh, like, funny. Oh. It's, I've already had this conversation and I know the answer. What is it? It's 23. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, it can't be 10 because, yep. uh, because the least offensive player in the midfield is wearing number 10. <laughs> <laughs> I see Perez. <laughs> well, no, well, uh, I mean, <laughs> at least I see Perez can control the ball when it's at his feet. That's all I'm yeah. going to say about 
Odiambe. Um, yeah. But but yeah, uh, I think twenty threes. I'd say twenty threes is a safe bet. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, it's just also like I feel like there's a lot of attacking midfielders with like a twenty three or twenty one or twenty two or something like that, and twenty one and twenty two are all taken. Yeah, and he's also he's worn. I know he's worn twenty four and twenty six before, um, before he started wearing ten. But just saying, that's what I think. Um, anyway, so let's get into some club news. We had uh, a big day in the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, first off, Sol Campbell is the coach of Macclesfield Town. I don't know how I missed that news, but I think like well, because it was very irrelevant until now. <laughs> yeah, like holy crap, I didn't even realize that. And it was his first match against our U twenty ones, so he got a sweet, sweet nectar of Elias Sorensen. And boy, did it happen. Elias with another goal. Another goal. Actually, let's, uh, let's start this campaign. I definitely started it. The GOAT questionnaire of the podcast, Trevor Munia, started it. Every time Elias Sorensen scores a goal, go to Newcastle United's Twitter account and tag Rafa Benitez in it. Oh, wow. That, yep. is, that is something. Yep. It's been happening. We've been doing it. And we just need him to know. Maybe he doesn't need to go out on loan. I know that's what the rumors are, but I mean, you got to give him a shot. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, we beat Macclefield's first team in the round of 32 of the Checker Trade Trophy. It's Did you hear the – Go ahead. you hear the stat about that, uh, that defeat for Seoul? Yes, I did, but you tell us. It was his first I game know. in charge, obviously. Yep. First penalty shootout defeat in the 144-year history of the club. Yeah. Which is – a little. It's honestly remarkable that they've got 144 years without losing a penalty shootout. But yes. yeah, and that's, it was that's on the hands of Newcastle United U21s. <laughs> so it it was a it's a pretty good game actually. We were winning for 85 minutes of it thanks to Elias's goal, and we sub Elias out in the 83rd minute, and then the goal scored. <laughs> so just a mere two minutes after he gets subbed out. The goal score, but then it, it immediately went to penalties. Nathan Harker made some great saves, and um, the guy who substituted out or substituted for Sorensen, uh, Mo Sanger, he I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, so sorry, Mo, but he hit the winner 5 3 on penalties. We're advancing to the round of 16. Pretty cool stuff when your U team is beating first team um, squads, so it doesn't matter what what division we're beating them. So let's move on to the next thing. Our U18s. Not much to talk about. Uh, They are on a massive losing streak. They played in the FA Youth Cup today against Norwich. They lost two to one. They have now lost, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row in all competitions. That's our U18. So, very positive on the U21, U23 front, U18s, a lot of work to do. Um, next thing, Elijah. Yes. You had an article that just came out, and I did read it, and it was glorious. So tell us about – give us a little insight and your opinion and what you're hearing as far as the club news is going. Um, as far as, like, transfer takeover, what your expectations are. All that. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, Luke Edwards of the Telegraph came out with another article 
uh, I guess late last night, uh, Newcastle time, um, about uh, just like, you know, the, the, he came out with the article basically saying Peter Cannon was a front runner for, uh, you know, purchasing the club and that there was um, a couple more parties interested, uh, mainly a, a multi-billionaire that's, main, that's remained unnamed. Uh, Kenyon's basically gotten to this data room stage, just something that we haven't seen any of the the, the uh, candidates get to so far in terms of this whole saga of selling the club. Um, he's been able to look at a bunch of sensitive documents and stuff, blah, 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 sign an NDA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the big concern, which Luke Edwards pointed out, but Newcastle fans have just, like, they just didn't read that part of the article. And then when it was announced again later on in the day, they all started freaking out. Um, he's, he said that Mike Ashley is a little hesitant to, to you know, believe Peter Kenyon has the funds to actually purchase the club. It's been a lot of all talk. And Peter Kenyon is not a billionaire. He's a guy who's organizing a consortium. So apparently, there, since there's no bid that's been made, Mike Ashley doesn't know if Peter has the funds, but he's still apparently front runner. And then there's this billionaire that was a little upset because he's apparently, you know, come to, come to Mike Ashley and agreed that 200 million pounds is a fair offer. And, uh, and he was he he knew that he was not in as advanced talks as whoever Mike Ashley was talking about um, when he was going on his little tirade with uh, Sky Sports. So that guy is a little pissed off, but that's what you get from negotiating with Mike Ashley, I guess. And then um, Lee Ryder has uh, has announced that there's another there's more interest, even more interest. So now we're up to four parties: uh, one from the Middle East and another from America. So two American parties apparently. Um, and a Middle Eastern party and an unnamed multi-billionaire who could still be Jeff Bezos. Who apparently <laughs> this this guy is still like happy. very rich and like and like the way Luke is describing this individual just makes it seem like it's like this this figure that just doesn't exist. I mean, well, they exist, but it's like too good for Newcastle fans to like actually believe, and that's why like no one really cares about this guy. And everyone's like Peter Kenyon one seems more just like realistic. Um, but this guy is like apparently has enough money where 300 million pounds is just not a problem for him to just outright buy the club in one lump sum. And he's plenty more to invest as well. So I don't know. That's new. You can read all about it. My analysis, the whole thing, whether or not I think it'll happen, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You can read that on coming home, newcastle.com. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And you, you definitely need to read it. Um, you definitely do. It is like an exciting time because this is our first time as fans, I think, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the owner is admitting it. Like in public. He's saying in front of Cameron's Sky Sports that he is he is trying to sell the club and he wants it sold before January. Before yeah. that, it's all it's all been speculation, you you hear. And there are trusted media members in Newcastle, but you hear it over and over from the same source, nothing ever happens, you're not gonna believe them after a while. Yeah. And to be um, fair, it's like there's been I think with the Staley stuff you could tell that it was genuine because he, he commented while it was going on, like he was saying that he he's trying to get it done, but it was never it was stuff that was said to members of the media or to like Lee Charnley to relay to everyone else. Um, it was never like him going out on television saying, I want to sell this club. And I think that's what, you know, either makes this more believable or less believable, depending on the angle you take with it. Cause you know, you have the, also the angle of like, 
this is the biggest publicity stunt to avoid spending money in January in the history of Mike Astro publicity stunts. Like going on Sky Sports, which is a network he's very familiar with and has a lot of ties to, and just saying, I want to sell the club by January, knowing that like, if you're looking at it from a bird's eye view, that's pretty unrealistic. But, you know, also we don't know the process. So, yeah, I think the Stavely thing, if that didn't happen, I think people would 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 be looking at this with a different grain, like a different set of eyes. Like we saw the Stavely process from start to finish. We saw it occur over like six months and we saw that nothing was happening. So it's hard to believe that something would happen in you know less than six months because we were told the process is so long and daunting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So another bit of Newcastle news is Miguel Almiron. Uh, did, did I mess that up? How'd I do? Yeah, I think that was fine. Almiron? Yeah, Almiron. There we go. Um, a wonderful, beautiful man of a number 10. He is Paraguayan. He is probably the best player in MLS, and that's my opinion. And he is playing in the MLS Cup final on Saturday at home against Portland Timbers. Toon Army Portland, sorry, bud, but we're rooting for rooting for Atlanta in this one. Um, there is a big report by Roberto Rojas, who is a former guest of our podcast. We interviewed him when the initial links happened, and we talked about clubs that are interested in in Miguel Amaron, and one of them being Newcastle, and how Miguel has always wanted to be in the Premier League. So we brought Roberto Rojas back because if you've been on Twitter, like I mentioned, there was a big What's it called again? A row, a row bomb. A row bomb. Okay. I'm going to get that one of these days. A big row bomb was dropped of wonderful knowledge that every Newcastle fan should be excited about. So here it is, our interview with Roberto Rojas, the greatest co-host in the world, Elijah Newsom, and myself. Enjoy. All right. And we're here with our first second-time guest of CHN Radio. Big honor. Roberto Rojas, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. I mean, I'm glad to be back here, and it's been quite an interesting day, I think, for, you know, not just because of the fact that we just saw Joseph Martinez, you know, win the MVP undeservedly, uh, but we do have his teammate and a couple of news that apparently brought, destroyed my Twitter account. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You went from, yeah, actually, well, I want to get into your, your reaction towards the Newcastle fan base in a little bit, but first, <laughs> tell us what your news was. Okay, so what I was told about a couple hours ago, at least from this time of recording, um, I had reached a, I had gotten a DM from one of a, from a close source to Newcastle United. I won't obviously reveal the name, but I did get a source regarding this story about Miguel Maron possibly going to Newcastle United. And I thought to myself, okay, what's going on? Well, what, what indeed is going on? Then I hear the following. Um, I, I tweeted, Newcastle fans, stay tuned for some news at the top of the hour. Thinking to myself, yeah, probably won't get a lot of traction. Boy, you guys are huge, guys. You have a huge <laughs> fan base. I never thought it would happen. And then the big one. This is the tweet that I mentioned. Hearing from sources that Atlanta United midfielder Miguel Almiron to Newcastle United is a done deal. There are a few things left to be done, but probably will join it in the winter transfer window. Possibly a loan deal with an option to buy up around 15 million pounds at the end of the season. Wow. Everything well, we could ever hope for. It's true. <laughs> so then what happened to that tweet? 
it, it went everywhere. I mean, oh my God, I never thought that it would be that big. I, I honestly thought, I mean, yeah, I kind of assumed probably after I got the, the, the hype tweet, I would say, that I put beforehand. And then this just became the, the catalyst of everything. I mean, at the moment, um, at the time of recording, is almost at 600 retweets and 1,200 likes. So, yeah, I think Newcastle United fans are a little excited that this is going to happen, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our first interview with Roberto, we talked about we, – we were mentioning there was four – teams that were interested and we kind of weeded it down to it wasn't going to be Newcastle. Um, but we, we also agreed that Newcastle could also be the best fit as far as playing time goes and development. Um, and so this news coming is, is big. So obviously you can't reveal your sources, nope. um, but tell us why should we believe you? I think <laughs> because yeah. And I'll, and I'll admit, I, I'll admit first, first and foremost that this, wasn't something that I expected. I had told both of you guys that Newcastle was the curveball because of the situation that the team was in with the potential of a new ownership, with, uh, you know, the situation, I guess, that Newcastle are in in the table when compared to other clubs like Arsenal and Spurs and even West Ham, who, you know, are still in mid-table, but, you know, are a bit more secure than Newcastle. But then, you know, a couple of rumors started to come. You know, there had been some rumors that, you know, a bunch of scouts from Newcastle have come to Atlanta to see the um, the last few games in the playoffs against the Red Bull and NYCFC, and obviously we'll probably go to this game against uh, the Portland Timbers this uh, this Saturday. So this has been something that, for me, I, I think now assessing everything that's going on, looking at the situations that the clubs that we're interested in, in Miguel Miron are in, and then you look at the thing that I said, you know, as to why this could indeed happen if he was to go to Newcastle. Firstly, playing time. I think when it comes to a player like Miguel Miron to come for that price of 15 million pounds, I think it's deservedly so that he will get a, a, a crucial role, perhaps a starting role. Secondly, I think the new owners and whatever you believe the rumors, I think are ready to make a big splash into getting a big name like Miguel Almiron. And I think this is something that would, you know, <laughs> open everything I would say into getting more interest and thirdly I think you just have to look at the form of unfortunately what Iosi Perez is bringing to the table you know he hasn't had a good season so far unfortunately and, you know what better replacement and and also just connecting the dots really you know the, the agent going to to England and, and asked uh, you know uh, that he was going to a Newcastle game and he said, "Oh, we were, we were uh, we went to the Newcastle game because we were in England. You know, the the whole type of stuff. It, it, everything just connects the dots. And and like I said, you know, anything can happen within the next uh, forty days. I would say until the end of the transfer window. Um, so anything could happen. What I will say is, from what I know, um, there are obviously a few things left to be done. You know, the teams have agreed. You have to also realize a done deal is not." signed and everything and medical no it's just a principal agreement between both the clubs there still needs to be some more um things to happen you know a work permit you know agents fee um you know many other uh medical obviously that kind of stuff so that's still something that uh needs to come in place but you know at the moment because of everything that's falling into place i guess now for miguel Miron, um the fact of the matter is that his team is going to be playing in the final which has helped i guess raise his, uh, his value even more, and of course of interest, um, I, I think everything is going well for him that perhaps we will indeed see Miguel Miron next month 
in a Newcastle United shirt. Yeah. And, and I think you, you kind of touched on this because, of course, like the last time we talked, there were four clear teams and uh, there's been other teams kind of thrown in the mix. But, I mean, personally, why do you think um, Newcastle emerged as a front runner? Like, what, what have they done? Do you think other teams have just lost interest as, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham's midfield seem pretty legit and West Ham has seemed to finally – they finally figured out how to, you know, generate offense. Do you think interest has dropped off or Newcastle just became more aggressive? Well, like I said, I remember giving an interview to um, Daniel Campos, the agent of Miguel Marón, that no offer had been given. There was no official offer. There was an inquiry by those four clubs, but not an official offer. Whereas Newcastle, at the moment, have brought in an offer. So, you know, you always have to, you always have to go for the first team. You always have to go for the ones who, you know, shoot their shot, essentially, <laughs> to, get, to get a player like that. And Newcastle did that. You know, they're, they're obviously, I would assume, in advanced talks at the moment, you know, of course, the done deal is still um, what I said, that it's, it's perhaps going to happen, you know, a few things have to be done. But I think just because Newcastle are in this situation, the fact that they have this new, you know, idea of new owners, the fact that they're not doing so well in the league, that they need to get some replacements, some new energy, some, some you know, young, exciting players. I think Newcastle just realized that, you know, hey, we need to do something about this. We can't just wait for these clubs. And especially since Miguel is obviously – becoming much more better uh, day in day in and day out well week in and week out when it comes to the games you know they needed to pull the trigger and Newcastle did that and here we are now on December 5th where we're where I have Newcastle fans on my timeline going crazy that they're probably gonna get perhaps the best player in MLS yes I know Yosa Martinez won the MVP but for me in my book I think I, I still think Amiron is just that 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 tallies, man, you know, that, that quarterback as a reference, I guess, in yeah. American football uh, to this Atlanta United team. Yeah, I mean, and that was evident when, you know, he left and the team struggled. I think, you know, part of Martinez, and don't discredit the media, Malvern was second I'm in voting, but, uh, I mean, with Martinez, it was just, you break so many records, like, it, it'd be, there'd be a lot more backlash if he didn't <laughs> win the MVP. Exactly. Um, it's just deserved in the end, but I think yeah. if you take that away, then I mean Miguel Amaron is head yeah. and shoulders player. Yeah, like if Joseph finishes with twenty five goals, then Amaron's the clear MVP. But yes, yeah. um, so Atlanta fans and Newcastle fans are both a little bit. I wouldn't say confused. I think there's two separate kind of uh, like outlooks on this loan to buy um, portion of the deal. I think for Newcastle fans, that seems like huh, this seems like the only way we would ever like, you know, spend money on a players with a loan to buy, which we've seen Newcastle do a couple times in the past, most recently with Dubrovka and, and Christian Atsu. And then with Atlanta United fans, they see – they don't understand why Atlanta United would do a loan to buy deal. Do you have any kind of insight on why loan to buy? Um, I think just in case that Miguel Marone does indeed you know, not perform to the extent that they want – that he wants to – or that Newcastle wants him to be – uh, until the end of the season, you know, the, the MLS season starts in March, and the season in the Premier League ends in May. So, you know, there is that potential that if everything does indeed go well, that they are impressed that Newcastle are indeed doing something, you know, that that's genius. You know, I think because of the fact is that they don't want to go in uh, head first into 
spending this amount of money, which, you know, is a lot. I mean, yes, I think it's going to break the, uh, the record for the most expensive transfer that MLS has ever done. But I, I think in that perspective, I think Newcastle are a bit cautious into thinking, okay, what do we have in front of us? You know, what are we going to deal with? And I think just in case, a big in case, that Miguel isn't performing to the extent that they want to be, then they could easily just send him back to Atlanta, where he is happy, which he, let's, let's be fair, you know, he is very happy there. Um, he's very loved by the fans there. He's becoming perhaps the, the biggest idol, I think, in all of Atlanta at the moment in, in all sports. So I think for me, I think it's just a case of, you know, Newcastle just playing, you know, the caution card in the sense that if, if it doesn't work out in England, you know, he always has Atlanta as his home. But I, I think I think it kind of does need to – I think these six months are – well, not six months, I would be – four or five months. I think they're crucial for him to really understand what Newcastle are dealing with. And if they are impressed, then then they're going to get him. They're going to get him on a, on a permanent transfer, which I honestly hope it does happen. Yeah. And I would also just like to add, I think the, the uncertainty around the future sale of the club also, you know, leans to a loan to buy deal. Um, you, right now you have Mike Ashley, who it really appears is that he's not going to want to spend money in January because he wants the club sold by January. So, you know, deals being agreed upon before January, it makes sense that it would be, you know, a loan-to-buy deal um, and from that regard, from that standpoint, because that way, if January comes and the club's not sold, Mike Ashley's not spending money. If it is sold, whoever has the – whoever is the new owner, they, they can choose to make that, that fee permanent or not. Exactly, exactly. All right, so in, in – let's do this – let's do it this way. In three words – Describe Miguel Amaron's playing style. Fast, creative, and technical. Oh, well, we already have Iosi Perez, so we're not interested. Yeah, yeah, pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he'd be an immediate starter, I think, uh, for Newcastle. So let, let's, let's go with this. So say that the deal is definitely agreed upon. Say they work out the agent fees and, and everything's set. He does his medical. We're cleared to go. What is the timeline for Miguel Amaron to join Newcastle United? Um, in your opinion, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that once the season is over on Saturday, be it as a champion or not, I think he'll most likely be heading to Paraguay um, to relax. You know, it's obviously the Christmas break. He wants to see his family. You know, all his family is there. I think he's only living with his wife in Atlanta. He doesn't really go out that much, actually. So he's actually much more of a, of a private, you know, humble person, which I adore, actually, the fact that he's not that flashy um, outside of the, of the pitch. So, yeah, I think what I'm assuming, assuming if everything goes right, assuming that perhaps the ownership is indeed changed in time by January, what I'm assuming is that, I think everything would be settled by late December, perhaps before or a few days after Christmas to the most early January where I think Miguel will be settled in Newcastle um, the new year. Yeah. Well, I mean, just kind of to, to wrap things up, and I know you've touched on, and I think we've touched on, and uh, we have an article on the site by one of our writers, Mirza, touched on all the stuff Miguel brings 
to the team, to a team, would bring to a team tactically and in terms of just his play style, his heart, his drive, all that kind of stuff. But I do want to think, and I think you, you've seen this, um, you know, following him over the past couple seasons. Um, I think Miguel also just brings an attitude of one ambition and two, he's just a fun guy to be around. I think that's going to be really good for a locker room that really doesn't have that character um, at Newcastle. I mean, uh, just some of the, the antics that he and Joseph get into and some of the, the, the stuff he does off camera and on camera, it's just, it's fun to watch. And he's, he seems like a fun guy to be around and having a guy like that, that, that does numbers. It does, it does, it does a lot for, for a locker room. I agree. I think that attitude thing is something that I think Newcastle would love to have. You know, the fact that you have a player that smiles in a team photo where all the other 10 players are frowning and being serious just shows how big of a, of a character he is. But no, I, I think, I think he brings that energy, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. I think he brings that, that humbleness, that, that, you know, outgoingness, I would say, that I think that the Newcastle fans would absolutely adore him, not just after, not just from what we see on the pitch and, and the talent that he brings, but I think outside of it and the character that he is, you know, the humbleness, the, 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 the enthusiasm, I think, I think we see of him, you know, we call him the, the smile of MLS at the moment. I think never before, from what I can remember, has a player like this been so, you know, adored by many people, not just Atlanta fans. I think uh, MLS fans or, or people that, you know, are interested in him. I've never seen a player this adored. And this is a league that has had players like Beckham and Nibra, uh, Gerard Lampard, David Villa. I, I think with Miguel Miron and the age that he's in, you know, he's 24. He'll turn 25 in February. It, 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 it it's all working well for him and you know i think he had his success at paraguay he had his success at Manus in argentina and i think he will have his success at atlanta um be it his last game i think on um, on saturday against portland win or lose i think he'll always be remembered as one of the greatest players to have ever played for the club and perhaps a, an, an icon i think in, in all of atlanta sports of course if they do win this title and i think for the newcastle fans that are listening and hoping that they do get this players they get this they get this player that they won't be um you know surprised at what we see and and i think we'll be very enthusiastic to get a player like me made on yeah and and one last thing roberto um there's been a lot of debate uh over how to say miguel's name so could you give could you give our listeners the pronunciation guide so they don't <laughs> they don't screw it up because there's already been some people like al Maron, all me wrong. It's just like a, a lot of just people butchering the name. So can you give it to the people? Yeah, I even heard I even heard Miguel or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll say it in the most Paraguayan Spanish because that's apparently the only Spanish I know uh, that you could think of him uh, that I could say his name. So one last time, I guess for everyone that's listening, Miguel Almiron. Wow! Thank there you so much, Jordy's. Practice it now, Jordies. <laughs> it'll, it'll sound terrible from any <laughs> but at least they know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Roberto. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you have a celebration tonight. Happy birthday for tomorrow. So you go do that. We're going to continue on with our wonderful review of a surprise point at Everton and then yeah. preview our match against Wolves. So we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thanks, and hopefully again pretty soon when we sign Joseph Martinez. (laughs) (laughs) Just purging Atlanta. (laughs) Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right, so 
really positive feedback from that. We are hoping and praying that by January 1, we have officially we have a, an official club announcement. If we get them at the beginning of January, that's amazing. And that's what it sounds like there. Um, but we would have an immediate starter at number 10. And hey, my brand has always been anti-Perez, and it, I can still continue that. But I have said, and you all are my witness, that Perez would be good in the Premier League if he was coming off the bench as a late sub. So have I not hey. said that? And we saw that today, to be fair. I mean, yeah. we can get into it, but one of the Atsu chances that he w- was created by Perez, like he, he was involved. He was doing stuff. Yeah. He created a chance. And it, uh, like the sad reality is that like if he had started the whole game, he would have also created only one chance. But, you know, he did one chance in like, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, which is way more efficient than we're used to. So yeah. good for you. <laughs> yeah. So this would give us that opportunity. So let's talk – about the match today we were not optimistic about this one and i don't think many people were and we did we we did it we got a point yeah the chronicle ran a poll before which they don't do i think they're just like they see what other twitter accounts do and they're just like let's steal it (laughs) like like we did player ratings for a little bit a while ago like fan player ratings and they just started doing it and it was just like this isn't fun anymore like and now they're doing like pre-match polls and their poll was like 70 something percent was like we're gonna lose yeah i and i'm, I'm not gonna lie i was one of them yeah same. um okay <laughs> so i mean it's and that's not saying anything towards i mean you lose three nothing and then i saw a stat on sky sports i wish i retweeted this but i couldn't find it when i went back um sky sports said and i might get the exact number wrong but i think it's been uh thir- oh man 13 straight midweek matches that we haven't won yeah and and they and they did preface it by saying they count midweek matches as tuesday wednesday thursday matches yeah um we have not won so that is interesting (laughs) i think it's back to like 2011 or 2010 was the last time newcastle won midweek and that's in the prem obviously the championship and that speaks to depth that's like a depth thing because as you saw like we played some of our French players, Everton played their French players. Like pretty much every team that played today, you're playing a lot of backups, um, ex- unless you're Tottenham and you play your starters and then sub on. Like it, they didn't sub off any of their main. They subbed off like a French player and then subbed on another starter. It, it made no sense. They were like up three 0 Okay, anyway, that's yeah. that's beside the point. But <laughs> just just weird. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let let's start. Let's talk with the lineup. So my favorite lineup ever. And Elijah called this out um, to me, and I was like, ah, I think they're going to go 4 2 3 1. But Elijah stuck to it 5 2 3, and that's what they did. They had uh, Dubrovka, obviously, and man, we'll get into him. Um, Yedlin, Cher, Lascelles is back, also news. Fernandez and Mankio, that's the back five. Yedlin and Mankio, they were mainly fullbacks in this match, they, they weren't the wingbacks that we saw two matches ago. But then we had Atsu, Diame, Key, Murphy, and Rondon. That's the starting lineup. Elijah, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think all of us were happy to see Iose wasn't starting, but that was kind of the giveaway for me once I saw Murphy. Because I on first glance, I saw like Murphy, and then I didn't see Iose. And then once I saw that, I was like, Murphy and Atsu, no Iose. I was like, okay, that's going to be three up front. Um, and you kind of knew it was going to be defensive and that 
Newcastle are going to have few chances, and they did. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know. And you could argue, and we can get into the stats portion later, Newcastle were much more efficient in you know, getting shots on target than Everton, who had like 19. And Newcastle had way less, like half that, and more shots on target. But I don't know. I saw that, and I was like, all right, we're going to bunker down and not try to get not, – we're not going to try to lose 2 3 nil. And then you saw Everton's lineup, and I think I was a little bit more optimistic that, like, we wouldn't lose, like, 3-0. Maybe it's 2-1 or something when I saw they were playing some backups and all that good stuff. So, we'll see. We, well, we did see, I guess. Yeah, we we did. And, it, I, I mean, I think this formation really plays, plays into our strengths. We know we have so many good center backs. So, we get to use them in this and went and put three of them on the pitch. Well, I, when when Lejeune gets back, what are we going to do? <laughs> no, just run. We'll be the first team to run four center backs. <laughs> yeah, just four center backs inside the box. We'll we'll do a six one three. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be six uh, four center backs, two wing backs, Shelby, and then three attackers. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Just have him dominate the uh, midfield. <laughs> yeah, I would love it. Um, so yeah, so I I thought it was. Pretty cool to see that. And it pretty much immediately worked. Right? Yeah. I mean, you as immediate as you would imagine a Newcastle goal happens. We don't really get a lot of early goals. I, I was saying, man, a lot of goals this year for us have happened early on. I Which has it. been stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're not used to <laughs> having like a, a lead and having to defend the lead. And yeah. then like you're just deflated once the other team scores. You're like, all right, well, this sucks. And yeah. it was fun winning. It was a blast. So it was a great start for us. Um, we got the goal right, right. I think the 18th, 19th minute of the match. It was amazing. Like we were playing well the whole time. I have to admit. And then it was like Everton fans were kind of mad about this because they thought that Sanctosin was fouled in the buildup. But come on, it was. It, it wasn't. That was that would have been the softest foul I've seen. And then Murphy attacked on the left wing and then had the most beautiful cross. I mean, it was it was delicious. Was it delicious? I think so. It was so. scrum dillyumptious. Scrum dillyumptious cross. And it went like back post and Rondon had a perfect finish on it, put it high to the roof of the net, and it was one nothing Newcastle. And we were we were freaking out. Weren't we? I mean, I was. Yeah, what's your thoughts I mean, on that play? I mean, well, did you expect I actually, that from I, Murphy? Um, no, I actually turned on the game late and and turned on right before that goal, and I tweeted. I was like, LOL, forgot that we were playing today because, like like we said, I mean, literally like less than an hour before kickoff, Roberto Rojas drops this, this bomb, and <laughs> I have to write an article on it. I'm responding to tweets. I mean, on both my personal and – and the coming home Newcastle account and the CHN radio account. There's all these people tweeting and it was just, it was hectic for like a good like hour before the match. And then like, I just forgot to like actually turn the match on and then I turn it on and we score and I'm like, all right, cool. So good, good for us. And I mean, that's kind of stuff from Murphy. It's like one of those where he's all, he's had the tools and we've seen flashes of Murphy and you can say this for a lot of our French players. And it was, this is why I think today was a good match for, for all of them, um, you see flashes of, of their potential. And then, you know, for them to actually, when you when they put it together and they play consistently throughout the match, it, it's always great. And Murphy, he, he did that. I mean, that wasn't the only good thing he did all match. I mean, 
in terms of tracking back and defending and staying involved and trying to get out on the counter. He, he did all that well as well, and you could say the same for Atsu. So, I mean, it, it was a good showing from them. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. And then uh, immediately after that goal, it was Richarlson just started working. And, I mean, he had – he was causing problems everywhere. He had some crazy runs, some one-twos, winning corners. I mean, I think he was probably their best player today, would you say? Yeah, easily. Yeah. And um, and we, and Sigerson also called some issues, but it was um, right the so it, Sigerson re- actually received a cross from uh, like I can't remember who it was, and Fernandez completely out of nowhere like gets a foot on this ball. It was one of the best blocks I've seen, uh, similar to the Yedlin one against Burnley two weeks ago. He just comes out of nowhere throws his body in the way and block it was it was going to be a goal and he gets his foot on it puts it out for a corner which was you know defender sweet bittersweet because right after well so there's a corner Dubrovka made an unbelievable save and it went out for a corner again um and Sigerson's corner deflected off Amina and then found Richarlston unmarked on the back post and he smashed it. So there it was 1-1. Uh, right around like 38th minute. I don't have the exact number in front of me. but um, Yeah, that's right. I think it's the 38th minute. Oh, awesome. So I was, I'm a genius. Well, yeah, so thoughts on that. Just, uh, you know, how many corners do you think they had in the first 40 minutes of the game? I, I mean, mean, how many corners do you think they had all game? I mean, Yeah, it was <laughs> relentless. It was, it was bound to happen. It was like you have so many. And this is why, you know, set pieces and corners or stuff that's like you're it's celebrated when you win a corner like because it's always a chance to score um regardless i mean there's been so many instances where you know it's been takes a deflection and it ends up in someone's lap or there's a guy who's left on mark and blah 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 etc cetera, etc cetera. um but yeah i mean it was bound to happen i think no one was shocked i mean everton after we scored everton was just pounding and pounding on the pressure and so you know not surprising at all yeah, yeah, and uh, so we get right before halftime, next bit, and I have to give Dubrovka credit here because he made what could be a save of the season candidate. Um, it was a ball f- from the left flank that hit Tosin, like, I mean, unmarked, completely unmarked, like, what, 10 feet from the goal? And yeah. he hits a shot towards Dubrovka who dove left and made a tremendous save right before the half. And I, like at that point, like I mean, you gotta get this every once in a while. At pro- I would say every other match, you have this moment where like, man, Dubrovka, like you are so good, you are so good. Um, and then it was halftime, one-one. So overall, first half, how do you grade Newcastle there? Uh, I give them like an eight. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like you know, and I give them an eight because it's like you give up a set piece goal, which is always unlucky, but like. That's like when you have you kind of have the most control as a defense. Like you you know like as long as I stick with my man, I should be fine. Um, and someone didn't stick with their man, and you were kind of punished for it. But other than that, they defended well. I mean, there was a lot of key saves, um, a lot of key clearances. Um, and I mean, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And you could tell that Everton were getting frustrated already, um, just with the lack of you know, shots on target they had. There were so many guys who were just taking long shots just to take long shots, and they were going over the bar. And it was just – it was 
is bad for, for them at least. And so, I mean, you know, getting inside their head, frustrating them, it, it's something that Rafa has done with other, you know, top six sides and it worked with Everton. So, yeah. And, and actually, so I, I, I write notes during the match and I, I, to talk about on here. And the first note I have, which I know you're going to love, it was uh, 57th minute. Wow. That share ball. Oh yeah. I know exactly. I know you exactly know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that dude, it, it's going to be hard to like, it's, it's really going to be hard to figure out like what Lejeune does when he gets back. Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's tough because you know, Cher had his, like, defensive mistakes last game, but then he, like, comes out and does this and defends well, but also is, like, the best distributor out of the back. I mean, it's just unreal. Like, if you were to rank the center backs, I mean, I'd put him ahead of Lascelles in terms of performance today, but that's that's a whole other story. But, but yeah. Lascelles, to be fair, had to get some rust out too, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's, it's Honestly, nothing. It, he didn't play bad. It was just Cher was just so great pinging these balls forward that it was like yeah. it's hard to put Lascelles above him when he's you know adding to the offense as well as defending well. Could you say that Lascelles was the third? And this is not a bad thing. I'm not trashing Lascelles because he I think he had a good game today. But could you say that he was the third best center back on the pitch for Newcastle? I mean, yes, that's yeah, actually just I, what I said. Yeah, I know. That's what I. <laughs> that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, especially when you know last season. He was, by and large, like, arguably one of the best center backs of English descent. I mean, arguably. Yeah. Uh, just unreal in terms of his impact with Newcastle when he was – and this is, this is something that's cool to see that we didn't have last season, which is very promising, is that last season when Lascelles wasn't there, Newcastle struggled, like, a ton. And this season, they haven't. In fact, they've won without, <laughs> without Lascelles. <laughs> like, our wins came without Lascelles. Yeah. Um, so, so – that's that's good to see, and it's, I think that's what you want if you're Rafa in terms of, like, depth. That's, like, the ideal situation. You lose a key player, and, and you don't suffer that much. Now, you lose Shelby, and you, you're still suffering a little bit. If you use Perez, then I think you're actually better off. But, yeah, I, it, it's it's an interesting situation going on with LaSalle's right now. I don't think he's in danger of losing his starting spot, but it's it's going to be tough to say no to some of those share balls. Yeah. Definitely agree. So then we had 64th minute. Uh, Perez came on for Murphy. So we we kind of alluded to that earlier that, you know, I think that's where he's best. And then we had Rondon about 10 minutes later came off for Hosselu. Uh, one he, thing he I want to – He was gassed, dude. He was yeah, gassed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and, he, and a well-deserved applause when, when he walked off the field. Um, he, he held up play well. He looked tired at the end of it, but, I mean, he did his job. He got his goal. Um, really starting to feel a little bit more confident from my end on him. Also, another player I want to mention. So, well, one, Murphy came out, and I would say on him, he had a great first half. Second half, nowhere to be found, but he had a great first half. So yeah. I would say good overall performance just based on that. Um, something to say. And also – Another player that deserves a shout out. Mankio looked good going forward today. That's the second match in a row for him. Yeah. Never yeah, thought I would true. say that, and that's the second week in a row. Yeah, and it's one of those things where he went he was looking good going forward, but there were still some questions <laughs> defensively where yeah. like, What okay, all right, kid, what are you doing? Yeah. But uh but yeah, yeah, he looked good going forward. He got involved in the tack. I I, I liked Mankio today. I thought he was yeah. fine. All right, so then we got just 
right into the thick of this 87th minute Yedlin won a header in the area and knocked it back to Atsu Atsu absolutely destroyed this ball yeah <laughs> and it was like Pick, Pickford had to save it down to his left but he saved it I was shocked that that didn't go in I thought that was it I was like yeah. I was jumping when he shot the ball I I just had this feeling like that's going in yeah, and that was actually the first time in a while. And I'm pretty sure Atsu had a free kick earlier as well that, you know, tested Pickford a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, that was the first time in a while I've seen Atsu shoot. And you're like, oh, that's going in. Because yeah. usually he shoots, and, like, right off the bat, you it's know, it's rolls. terrible. It's, like, it's either rolling or it's just, like, completely skied, especially when yeah. he's, like, trying really hard. And I think that was the, the – I think that's the good thing about these tactics was, like, like, I think that Newcastle were content with the draw – so that when you had opportunities like Atsu, uh, both his his chances, and we'll talk about the other one in a second, like it's not trying to play hero ball. It's it's like let me just try to get this on target and let's see what happens instead yeah. of just like let's go for this wonder strike. Like we're frustrated, let's just shoot the ball or whatever Atsu was doing beforehand when we were down a goal or you know up one or something like that. I don't know. It was just nice to see like he took it took his time with it, struck it well, and I mean. Just that was another one. There was like a crazy diagonal ball, and then a cross, and it was just oh, it was so nice. Yeah. So uh, three minutes later is the chance you were just alluding to. It's one of those how did you not score chances? Yeah. I mean, this one that we just talked about was, but this is I'd say even more of a how did you not score? Um, it was Perez that started it. Yeah, <laughs> Perez. It no, no, you got to give him credit. He, I mean, there's a great chance that he created there. He. It was a beautiful ball hit right to Atsu in the area, and he like tamely, I guess, curled it straight. He to- tried to place it in yeah. the in that far corner, oh. and it just didn't get enough on it, and it, it just, just was too easy to save. Yeah, oh, it, that one killed me. I mean, he was I mean, he could have done anything but that, and he yeah. chose that option. And to be fair, all he had to do was hit that a little bit harder. Like, yeah, yeah. Like those are goals that, like, I, those are not. It's not an unpopular shot to to take when you're one on one the keeper to try to slot it on the ground because you know it's hard for keepers to go down low. Get it on the ground, hit it with a little bit of pace to the to the opposite side of where the keeper is. It should be almost impossible to save. He just forgot to do the part where you hit it a little bit harder. Like yeah. he just was like, oh, let me just lightly tap this to the corner. Yep. So that's how it ended. It ended 1-1. We got a point at Everton, which is amazing. Uh, It was a great defensive performance by us. There was a lot of penalty shouts. There was a lot of corners given up. But if anything, we got a lot of flopping. Yeah, a lot of flopping. flopping. We got a ton of practice on set pieces. (laughs) And but it was a great defensive performance for us. And we could have won the game in the final 10 minutes. We took over the final 10. Um, It was definitely a point gained. And something that's needed after our 3-0 defeat to West Ham. It's something that, that's really uplifting. Um, now you take you look at our run now with points in our last five, you're feeling pretty good about it overall. And that's just something that I think we needed, and we got it. Um, so really good job by, by the team today. Overall, Elijah, what did you think about the, the match? It's a good performance. I mean, um, you know – I th- this is one of those games where I'm not even that disappointed that we could have won because I think that like we had, we, I don't know. I just think that defensively we look so great that I was like, this, this seems like a draw. And I think part of it is like Everton, I mean, DeBrock made some insane saves. There were some insane clearances, but it's like Everton 
had the potential to, you know, score two two goals, maybe three goals, and we were able to hold them, whether that be a save or or clearance. So I'll take the draw, and it's a way draw against Everton, who are I, what are what are they right now? They're in, I know they're in the top eight. They might be in the top six. They're sixth. So, yeah, but say yeah. yeah, they're top six side. So hey, I'll take that any day, and that just adds to Rafa's insane record against top six sides this season. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, in terms of goals. Uh, goals conceded and all that other stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So another beautiful statistic before the statistics part of it is um, Rafa has more points at Goodison park than any other manager away. Away. Man. Oh, can I give you another statistic? Two more yeah. statistics that you might, I don't know if you'll hit these, but yeah, let, let's go. And if I was um, going to hit them, I'll skip them. Okay. Well then no <laughs> one will know if you hit if you if you're gonna hit them. Um uh the first one is this was the first match week in which every team scored uh this season. So uh, I I did see that, but I wasn't gonna mention it. So And then the other one is this is also the first match week where there wasn't a team that didn't score. So it's the same thing Ooh, basically. I didn't <laughs> there was no that. clean sheets this week. Uh, oh, no yeah, clean. I guess when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It was like the Premier League account Whoops. tweeted that those tweets like right after each other. I was like it seems like you're just saying the same thing. Well, you fooled me because we'll I, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't, I'd never got there yet. So yeah, <laughs> it fooled All me right. at first too. And then I yeah. said it out loud to myself earlier. I was like, wait, this is like, obviously this is the first week of the season. <laughs> when there's no clean sheets. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's get into some quotes. Um, it's always better to hear Rafa's quotes after points are gained. So, Rafa said, I think, we, I think the work we produced against a very good team was fantastic. We suffered after taking the lead, but we were better in the second half, and both teams had chances to score. The main thing was to defend well and create chances, but we would like to be more accurate in our counterattacks. Definitely true. We actually had more shots on target than Everton. So, um, But, yeah, being able to convert those is key. Um, he also said, we have to be realistic. They are a good team, and they had chances in the first half, and they had – four games unbeaten at home so we have to credit our players we were defending well and well organized and doing a fantastic job the only thing we were not expecting was the chances on the counterattack that we could have been more clinical with so yeah really honing in on that effort um he spoke about josh and atsu said murphy and atsu were really good because def- defending all the time and after attacking you need the legs the goal was a great counterattack so he's really harping on these counterattacks. Um, and, yeah, really good job by Murphy to, to get that across. He mentioned Kennedy, which was a weird admission, uh, unplanned for sure. He said that Kennedy had a problem with his toe. He couldn't put his boots on and couldn't train the last couple of days. So just an update for everyone for him. All right. Yeah. Stats. Mm. This is kind of a depressing one. But uh, congratulations to Solomon Rondon, who now leads Newcastle in goals this season with three. Oh, that is something. <laughs> that is something. Dude. <laughs> yep, uh, that's the first one for you. Wow. Um, we have now scored six away goals in the Premier League this season. Good for us. Um, so that's great. And they all six goals. This is the interesting... I, I was wondering this because I've mentioned, man, we score early so often. All six of those Premier League away goals have come in the first half. Yeah. Very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 
I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then we'll Wait, go to. Fun. I have a stat. Yeah. yeah. Just, I just want to read the stat line from today because it's ridiculous. When you tell, like, like, I was talking about the quality of chances. Like, I don't know. So Everton had 19 shots. Newcastle had eight shots. Newcastle had five shots on target. Everton had three shots on target. Everton had 77% of possession to Newcastle's 23 and 647 passes to 205. So it's, I, you could, this is a good case of quality over quantity. I don't know. Yeah, oh, for sure. What was I, it, who was it against? Was it, was it Cardiff that we had like 20 oh, shots yeah. on goal, 20 oh. shots or 25 shots? And we, <laughs> yes. And we drew Yeah, to their like one shot. Yeah. yeah, they had like one shot, and then they just sat back. And we had like yeah, like twenty one shots or something. And like, yeah. and it was like it it was worse than that because it was like like thirteen or fourteen of them were on target too. Whereas like there was like just saves. It was a ridiculous amount of saves <laughs> and like hitting and blocks and ridiculous stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So to five thirty eight, their prediction projections for the season. Uh, we have dropped one percent in our relegation chance so now we have a 22 percent chance of getting relegated opposed to 23 nothing else really changed um still projected to get 38 points and all the clubs that are projected to finish below below us are that's southampton cardiff city huddersfield fulham and burnley um so still looking pretty good from their standpoint they i mean to have five clubs below us is pretty good (laughs) All right, so Elijah, yes, who is? Let's flip it. Let's let's flip this. Who is your worst player today? Oh, I mean, and I don't want to be the guy that goes on brain all the time, but Modiami was pretty bad. Um, uh, like we talked, we touched on this on the last pod about like, you know, it's great that he leads the he might what does he lead the Premier League or the team in tackles or something? The Premier League, he leads, yeah, he leads and the- it was like yes it was more of the quantity of tackles versus like the quality. Like he lunges in so much that like, he's obviously going to lead the Premier League in tackles because he just sticks his foot into like everything. And he did it again today and like gave away a free kick in a pretty dangerous position, got a yellow. It was just like, I, I don't get it. Like, like, like does, has no one taught him how to defend? And that could be the, that could be issue. I mean, this is a guy who went from being a cam, like lo and behold, he was a cam at one point. Like put that in your head to being a like a CDM that's like a true like like ball winning CDM. Yeah, it's just I mean, his touch today wasn't awful. That's because he really didn't see that much of the ball. But it was just like, dude, some of these fouls he made were just ridiculous. I mean, and part of that is everyone else played pretty well, so I can't really harp on that many people, but yes. Yeah, I mean and- that's actually a really good pick because I was looking at this. Who was I going to pick? And honestly, for me, it's between Diame and Key. And I was going to pick Diame also. Um, but the reason being is Key had two key passes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Diame had none. But Key and Diame had less touches combined than Cher. Yeah. And, and you're in the midfield. You're supposed to – you have to drive the play. That's That's unexcusable. If you're combining – those two touches and they still had less than one of our center backs. I'll, I'll be in defense of key, not getting a lot of touches. It didn't seem like Newcastle were trying to play through the midfield. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they did attack a lot down the wings and tried to hit people on the counter and share played a lot of like they played their center backs played a fair bit of long balls. Even Fernandez was playing long balls. 
So, I mean, I, I kind of understand it, but also that is still ridiculous. That, like yeah. Two combined have less than one center back. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely was targeting them for that. And I, I get it's like a five. It's, this one was a five, two, three in purest form because, well, actually, let's just put it out as a five, four, one because we were mostly just bunkered in for, for a lot of the match. Uh, but, yeah, I just didn't see a lot of them, and that was disappointing to me. So um, another one of those matches where we, you know, it's hard to pick a worse player because there was a lot of people who did well today. So let's talk about who did well. Who was your best player? Um, that's, that's It's a little bit tough. Um, I want to give it to – I'll do this. I'll do – it was Jacob Murphy in the first half and, and Atsu in the second half. So that's my combined. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Atu missed the, the chances, but in terms of, like, offensive production going forward, any time Newcastle got forward in the second half, which was rare, he was a part of that. And so you have to give him credit for at least, you know, being a part of the attack, you know, being a spark, and not doing stupid Atsu things that we thought he was going to do. Like, this is literally <laughs> the best game he's had in a year and a half. So I think he deserves some credit, even if he should have scored. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he played well. And he tracked back and defended, and I mean, he deserved to play the full ninety. So, uh, kudos to him. Yeah, my, um, I, I definitely agree with you. I think, you know, I think the players that should definitely be called out as as really good days, and that's not including Rondon. Obviously, he scored, and Murphy. Obviously, he got an assist, and we already mentioned that too. But I really want to shout out Lascelles, Yedlin, Dubravka. And my number one player, Cher. Yeah. He was out fair. of this world. Uh, six aerial duels won, 61 touches, two shots for center back. He was everywhere. And so many key passes. Like, not key passes on the stat sheet, but, man, like, his his distribution is unbelievable. Right now, at least. If this is what he's been his whole career, man, like, this guy's created some amazing plays. Um, and he had a heck of a game today. He really proved, like, I mean that another him and Dubrovka are such bargains. I, I like commend like absolute congrats to Rafa on finding those people. Yeah, holy crap! Um, and Yedlin had a great day again. He even was winning aerial duels. He was always involved and never made that massive mistake that everyone seems to think that he makes all the time. So yeah, uh, but yeah, share. And, and we're we're, talk, we're talking about you, U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, we yeah. just are like anytime the U.S. Men's National Team sucks, it's like Yedlin's fault. I'm like, no, the the U.S. Men's National Team just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not not just him. Yeah, everyone sucks for sure. All right, so let's take a look at the table. Um, it is, uh, you know, a little better. We moved up. <laughs> we passed Crystal Palace. Uh, we are. We have 13 points. Crystal Palace is 12. Cardiff, 11. Huddersfield, 10. And then Southampton, Burnley, and Fulham all at 9. So now we are four points clear of the bottom three. Always better to, to see that. And think of our, la- our last five. Win, 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 loss, draw. So 10 points out of our last five matches. Yeah. It, it's all honestly very... like it, it was. It, I think someone said it's like 10 or 11 out of a possible 18 or something. Good, yeah. good job. Hey, I think it's 11 out of the possible 18. That's hey, that's solid. If you go at that rate for the rest of the season, you'll be fine. And yeah, in our last five, the only there's only three clubs that have done better points wise in our last five matches, and 
that is Tottenham, Liverpool, and Man City. Uh, I think we're as good as all of this. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, and speaking of, uh, Tottenham's in third, Liverpool's in second, Man City's in first. Chelsea dropped to fourth, lost to Wolves. We'll get Man U. They are not. Man U in eighth, Arsenal fifth, Everton stays at sixth. Um, Watford down to 11th, creeping back. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Maybe Watford will get relegated. <laughs> I'm praying that one of my – it doesn't even look like Cardiff is going to get relegated, which is amazing to me. That, that is bizarre. Car- <laughs> that's like Burnley of like, what, two or three years ago where it's just like – like okay. uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess really two years ago when like they first were promoted, I want to say two or three years ago, where like everyone's like, this team's going back down for sure. And they just like didn't because all they did was defend at home. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's we, like, are you serious? It's so funny because we – we always complain about how much money we spend. Like Sigurdsson costs more than our entire squad. And yes. Richarlson almost costs more than our entire squad. Like that's every week for Cardiff. <laughs> like yeah. every week there's somebody that has. And arguably for Burnley too. Like Burnley yeah. almost didn't make a signing this summer until like they had to like plead, hey, like we're in Europa League. Like if we yeah. don't sign anyone, we won't have any players because they'll all be tired. Then they're just dicing up onions now. Yeah, dicing up onions. <laughs> and then you have Fulham, who's in bottom, that spent a hundred mil. So yeah, <laughs> perfect. And they well, spent a, they like they're like, oh, let's improve everything but our defense. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh wow, our defense sucks. Maybe we we'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So, I mean, poor Alfie Mawson too. Oh, <laughs> uh, <all> Alfie. <laughs> yeah. <that sucks laughs> but anyway. All right. So let's talk about our next match. How's that sound? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we are playing. We have a tough one, and yeah. and whew. we're playing Wolves at home on Sunday. It's going to be a big match. And now, before we get into it, I want Elijah. I'd like to hear your input on on this. I have no problem being harsh. I think you know my standpoint on it about the Wolves boycott versus now some people that are heavily involved with it are now saying it's not a boycott anymore or they don't want it to be. Um, what are your thoughts on all of that? I mean, first and foremost, are we, are we going to say who it is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so True Faith. Nobody's safe. Yeah, True Faith was like, hey, don't do the boycott. And this is coming from a site who, like, you could say the, mo- the only relevant figure from that site, to be honest, that anyone knows about is Michael Martin. And he's been, like, the most vocal uh, about, hey, if you're not boycotting, like, you're not a fan. He really wrote a whole article about, like, if you're not boycotting, like, get out of our club, you're not a fan. If you're not doing the 11th minute walk-in, you're not a fan. If you're not at every protest, you're not a fan. And then, yeah, like – they said, I don't care if you have a dog named Shearer. Like, <laughs> if you don't protest, you're not a true fan. That that took me aback. That was the first sentence. But go on. I'll keep yeah, and, and so – and it's, I mean, and then if you get, if you want to get into the nitty gritty, um, if, you know, if you really want to get, go, go down that route, uh, True Faith, two supporters groups emerged out of True Faith, War Flags and War Hem, and they're both a part of the Magpie group. And True Faith was like, all right, guys, um, if you, like, no one do the boycott because it's going to look bad when we're selling the club. And it's just like, boycott or not, you can't flip flop. Like, you gotta, you gotta pick a side. Like, Greg's been pretty adamant. Graham's been pretty adamant. 
I think we've all kind of had our stances on the boycott. I think I'm pretty neutral in terms of, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I personally just didn't think it would happen. Regardless, that's another story. But you can't flip-flop. That just looks bad. Yeah. it Like, it's so frustrating. Like, especially when you say, like, yeah, and a lot of people, the, one of the first arguments about the protest is, is like, well, that could scare away a new owner. And they backed it up. They said, oh, they, they doubled down. And it's like, no, what are you guys saying? It's going to force Ashley to sell, blah, blah, blah. And then once Ashley admits he's trying to sell, they say, oh, it's not in the best interest of the club. It's like, well, your whole standpoint was you would protest because it will force Ashley to sell. Why wouldn't you protest now? Because it seems more prevalent than ever to do so. Yeah. Now and, for me, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, I've mentioned a few times, I grew up in Philadelphia and Philadelphia's fans are pretty ruthless. Now we never get in that situation where like in American sports where you have to protest because you're not spending money because there's salary caps and salary minimums. You have to spend a certain amount, but what one thing that Philadelphia, I think, and Newcastle have in common is their support is unwielding. Even in those 10 win seasons for the 76ers, like people were there, people were still showing up. And then there was like caught followings for the Sixers during that 10 win call. They started the trust the process movement and they were cheering for like these random signings that would never play. Like it was a whole thing. Like everybody was excited about that. And, but they stayed with them the whole time. And, that, and you listen to Rafa, what he talks about it, and you listen to Warren Barton on this podcast, what he said. He said uh, not, nothing about protest. He said the most moving thing that, that fans could do, the most important thing that fans could do is stay in that stadium, fill it out as early as possible, and yell as loud as you can for 90 minutes and just chant, chant Newcastle for 90 minutes. That's exactly what Warren said. And think of what we did for Rafa Benitez for him to stay. We didn't boycott. We didn't say, oh, let's all leave the stadium and maybe Ashley will then sign Rafa. We all went and chanted Rafa's name for 90 minutes. And that's what I think is – that's me personally. And I could be wrong. I could be right. But that's what I think is most effective. And that's what I think we should have been focusing on all along. But right when the, the Magpie group started dividing fans, it became – it just was not no longer credible to me. It's nothing that I could get behind. And and here I would like to say this. One, I, I wouldn't say the Magpie group was intentionally trying to divide fans. Michael Martin on his own, and there are specific people who are like members of the Magpie group. It's like when you have one guy that says yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's a very small amount. You're right. Yeah, and it, and like it's literally like three or four people. Yeah. That are, and, and then there's got people like Toon Poles who are just trying to be divisive and go against anything the Magpie group does. Um. And, and we talked about this on our War Flags interview. The purpose of having these boycotts and 11-minute walk-ins was because there, it was already something that people were up – they were already debating. Like, it wasn't like a magpie group was like, this is something we should do. It was like people were asking for it, and they wanted to do it, and some people were against it. And so the whole thing was it was supposed to be an option. And to this day, it still seems like it's something that's no one's ever kind of – not many people are, like, completely behind uh, and – it's still pretty 50 50. I, I know if Rafa goes, we goes put out a poll today saying, would you guys still be interested in doing a Wolves boycott? And it's like, it was literally, it was literally 50 50. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's like, it's one of those things where the whole intention was to, you know, give people a choice. And 
And the Magpacker has been very adamant. It's like, hey, we understand. Like, this is our, our mission and goals is trying to just keep the owners in check, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And we understand if, like, if, like support the club as however you want to support the club. And so they've been very clear, like, hey, you can boycott whatever you want. But it's like when you go from being true faith and, like, demanding people to boycott to immediately flipping the script, I think that's, that's a big issue in, in, it, in itself. And, I mean, and to be fair, like I said, it's been a divisive issue. And I don't even know how many people would participate in the boycott. It's so much easier to say, like, you could vote on Twitter that I'm going to participate in this boycott. But it's much harder to do it in person. And we saw that with the walk-in. I mean, you had, like, thousands of people who, you know, were supportedly behind doing this walk-in. And, like, 600 or 700, 800 people did it. And so – and that's like just going to a game late and not it showed up on time, just walking in later. Like imagine trying to, you know, what, what that number looks like when you're asking people to not come to the game. So I don't even know if it was a necessary statement to make because I don't even know how many people were planning on boycotting in the first place. So I don't know. It's just, it was all very weird. Um, and like, you got to get called out for, for, you know, going back on your word. You, you just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. I think we're we're pretty aligned on on most points. I'd say definitely this one. Um, there there is things that you could do to make a difference, and 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 they were they had all the right intentions until they started dividing people up. So, all right, let's get into wolves, shall we? Yeah, we shall. All right. So, I would love for us to come out in the five two three again. I think it's definitely a possibility with how attacking Wolves are. Um, we will get Matt Ritchie back. So he had his one-match ban this week. Um, and it. I think, I, I said this in the last podcast, I think Dummett's back too. We know LaSalle's is back. Shelby, Muto seem like they're right there. So what's our lineup going to look like? Um, I, I think you go five in the back with Dummett, Cher, LaSalle's, and, uh, and Fernandez. You, you keep it tight. I mean, you're going to – I think you're – and, of course, Yedlin and and the lot. Uh, I think it's going to be fine. I think it'll be, like you said, a 5-2-3. You would hope Shelby's back. Um, you'd imagine that – I'd love to see gonna, him in this formation. Yeah. You'd imagine he's going to be with, with uh, Diame, which, you know, that's not great. But, you know, you take what you can get. Um, and then I think your, your front three are going to be uh, Rondon, Richie, and probably Murphy. I mean, if this Kennedy injury, I mean, I guess whatever is going on with Kennedy, if he's not going to be able to play this weekend, I think Murphy's going to get that spot. I wouldn't be surprised if Atsu gets it either because Atsu can play on either side, but I think it'll probably be Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised with that because just simply how he was very productive again. And he had a really good game against Chelsea too, so yeah, maybe uh, he'll thrive in this match too. Um, we have, uh, I don't think there's any injuries at Wolves. Not that I can find of, at least. Do you know of any? No, I think they're actually pretty much fully fit. Yeah. And they played a match, a good match against Chelsea. Yeah. Um, our friends over at London is, is blue pod was not very happy about the result, but Wolves beat Chelsea two one. Um, and they were, they were, they weren't in good form. So they Wolves lost to Brighton. They lost the Spurs three to two. Good match there. Drew Arsenal. Lost to Huddersfield two nothing. Lost to Cardiff two one. And then beat Chelsea two one. 
So that that was completely out of left field. I mean, in their last five, to the matches that they played and lost was pretty shocking. <clears throat> but with Wolves, what you're going to get is you're going to get they're going to have scoring chances. They're going to have a lot of them. They're going to they like to win aerial duels. They like to protect their lead by scoring more. They attack. They attack. They attack. They shoot from anywhere. They have through balls after through balls. They play that Portuguese style because they're all Portuguese. Um, they play wide. They shoot, and you're going to probably have the f- same first 11 the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't remember how many games it was that he started the same first, like an unchanged lineup for like, it was like 10 straight matches or something. It was completely unchanged. Did you know that? I did not know that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. I, I can't remember how long somebody, hopefully, somebody knows that's listening and can let us know, but it was. Definitely a significant amount of matches, completely unchanged. What's your thoughts on Wolves? Um, you know, definitely a dangerous team. Uh, the Chelsea match, uh, looking at the team Chelsea put out, I, it wasn't a bad team. It was a pretty decent team. So you have to be impressed with that um, in terms of like how – how they're able to score against a very solid back line of Christensen, Alonso, Rudiger, and I'm not even going to try to say Cesar as the Puquilleta's name or whatever. Um, That's Puquilleta. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's <laughs> That's what I got. It's not It's not happening for me. <laughs> um, but, but I'll say this. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one for Newcastle. I mean, because when you have guys who are able to score two goals in four minutes, that's that's always scary. And like you said, they just keep pounding on and pounding on. And so um, Newcastle has been very bend but don't break. But Newcastle have also been able to to handle teams of similar style, like you know, looking at Man City and not lose four or five nil. So it, I think this could end up if we're getting into predictions. I think it could be a two one loss. Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of relating to this match to Man City. Not that Wolves have the same quality of Man City, obviously, but the fact that the attacking is so consistent, uh, it's just like an aggressive style. I think we could definitely hurt them on the counter, and, and teams have done that. But what the teams that have done well against Wolves are the teams that bunker against them. And I don't sure. know. And Rafa's not afraid to bunker at home. He's yeah, he's not. And there's no better team, I think, in the Premier League at bunkering than us. Yeah, and I think with how we've, you know, you hear how Rafa was saying, like, oh, we have to create better opportunities on the counter. Like, I think that has something to do with how they were preparing to play Wolves as well. Uh, I mean, you could play, you could easily play this match the same way we played Everton, no? Yeah, I mean, I think you will. Yeah. Um and I do think it's going to rely a little bit on early goal as well. You want to get a goal early. I mean, if you look at their loss against Huddersfield, Aaron Moy scored in the sixth minute. And then oh, I would love he it. scored again in the 74th. So, and they tried that everything. That headed bloke. We yeah. need Shelby to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, so, and so, I mean, and, and they did everything they could, uh, Wolves, in terms of like, you know, they, st- they brought on attacking players. They brought on Jota. They brought on Traore. They brought on uh, Gibbs-White, and they took off Jean Moutinho. So it's like they brought on a bunch of attacking players and still like Huddersfield continued to bunker down and they were rewarded with another goal. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing um, with, uh, with Newcastle. Yeah, I, we definitely have to watch out for Jota and Mutino, like you said. Um, it's, we're we're going to be faced with a lot. Like 
Raul Jimenez, brilliant yeah. player. But yeah, they, they have some players. They have some really good players. Jota and Jimenez scored today against Chelsea, or I guess yesterday for those listening or whenever you listen. Um, but there, there's a lot of talent here, and they're going to play a lot of very talented Portuguese players, and it's going to be a test. But I think if we play similar to how we played on Everton, this could be something that we do pull out on a win at. So I'm going to predict 1-0 Newcastle. Okay. And my goal scorer. Okay. DeAndre Yedlin. Wow. Yeah. That is – that's that's something. If, if for, my, for your prediction, my goal scorer will be Iose Perez. <laughs> no. He's coming on. It's, actually, no, he probably won't start. Um, I, could, I wouldn't be surprised if Rondon scores. I don't think either one of them are going to start because, like, where do they fit in in this 5-2-3? I mean, you could yeah. see – Chris well, no. starting out wide. Well, that's I, how, I don't know if Muto plays out wide. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, well, he's a striker too, so he, you could easily put him on one of the sides. He, he could definitely play wing on the sides. Um, that, and that's what Perez did the first time we did it. He started on the wing with Kennedy and Rondon. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, w- I would like that. I think, and he had three chances. And, and I think <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a shot from Rondon that's deflected off the keeper. And I think it's going to be deflected in. It's Patricio as our keeper, right? It's still him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think Yedlin's going to slot it right in. I'm going to love it, and I'm going to I'm going to run around. I'm going to uh, if he if he scores, I'm going to post a video of me. I'll be in Boston, so this will be. Um, I'll be running around somewhere with an American flag, or just yelling DeAndre Yedlin a lot. Which is which, by the I'll way, for for anyone not familiar with Boston. Running around with an American flag is like not going to be weird because no. <laughs> no. that's that's normal in yeah. Boston. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll get into some stats on this one. Um, did I miss anything? No, we're. I, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Stats. Um, so, Wolves coming to Newcastle. I'll do since 2010. They've only been here three times. They beat us. Or sorry, we beat them in 2010-11 season. We won 4-1. In 11-12, we tied. And in our championship season, we lost 2-0. And that's it. So one win, one draw, one loss since 2010. So not, not, much, not much going on there. Um, and let's see. I have 538 pulled up. We can go to the matches, see what they say. So for the upcoming matches... We have – I just got to find us. Okay. So, 538 says Newcastle has a 42% chance of winning this match, which is really good. That's really high. 28% chance that Wolves win. So, 42 to 28 and then 30% chance of a draw. So, 538 is predicting that we have a better chance of winning than any other result, which is pretty impressive. They, I, I swear they're, they're really high on us, and I like that. Yeah. I, I – yeah, I, I'm wondering why, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can click more, but that gets down to a rabbit hole, and yeah, not, you don't want to. We're not going to go there. All right, so um, anything else for you on this match? No, no. Um, All right, let's get to your questions. But there's somebody that wants to talk. That well, there's a message that we want to give you, and that is the beauty of Fubo TV. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
if you go to this beautiful link that we're going to post in the article that we released for this podcast or just in the subject line or on Twitter, we'll post it. And you just click that beautiful link. You're going to be just brought straight to a world of live sports and TV without cable. Over 100 channels, free cloud DVR. You can record whatever you want. Don't compromise. Go to Fubo TV. Sign up today. Mm. Yeah, CBS, Fox, Fox South, Fox Southeast, FS1, NBC mm. Sportsnet, NBA TV, NFL Network, NBC Sports Network, Pac-12. Said, that's that's AMC, all I watch. <laughs> AMC, BBC America, USA, TNT, TBS, Food Network. I mean, I can just keep mm. going on and on. I like Food Network. Not and hard. for world soccer fans, this is, this is where it gets really good. Oh, it gets juicy. Be in sports. Be in sports. Mm. Two, four, five, six, seven, eight. Mm. All available on Fubo TV. It's true. Yeah. It's it it true. All it right. True. <laughs> to, to, your, to your questions, we have a few. And we are going to start with Toon Army Denver. Welcome, Toon Army Denver. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, hey, uh, if you're American, it's going to be a little Toon Army American meetup. Mm-hmm. It's like February 22nd yep. uh, in Denver. You'll have a chance to meet me and Greg. So and that's me. that's probably like the only reason you should go is yeah. uh, <laughs> to meet well, us. Well, there's there's beer. Oh, there's beer. There's going to be a brewery tour. We're going to watch the match. Um, it'll be a lot, of, a lot of fun people, a lot of Americans. So if you're American, you're listening, and you've never been to – Colorado. I've heard that in you can winter. do some things. You can do some things in Colorado that you can't do in other places. Yep. Um, notably, hike. Hike. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say snowboard, but yeah, hiking okay. as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can do those things in Colorado. You can't do them anywhere else, um, or very few places. I think like Washington's another place you can do it. Northern California. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So Toon Army meetup. Uh, Toon Army America meetup. I mean, if you're not American, you can go to. If Toon yeah. Army Mexico wants to join, you can. I don't know if that's. Or thing. for relevant purposes, Toon Army Paraguay. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. Newly created Toon Army Paraguay. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait for that Twitter. <laughs> for sure. All right. So Toon Army Denver says, and you can find them at Mile High Magpies. Uh, he said, Will Almiron take over before Everton or Wolves in the spring? with a smiley face is he's it is he asking if he's going to take over like and buy the club or like take control I, and start destroying people i the want, I, th- I think the latter and it, it wasn't a serious question so it could be the former because he then follows up by saying no seriously here's my question yeah but, and, and that I, was discipline over talent in rafa's world question that's a good question as well. So we'll yeah. we'll tackle the first one. Um, if Almarone comes to Newcastle, oh, let I got yeah, go go ahead. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. in the eyes of Newcastle supporters, as long as he's like trying to create chances, he'll be fine. Like yep. I think the biggest harp on Perez is that he just doesn't do anything. <laughs> like like with Almarone, he's at least going to do something. And 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 like and I think that's why people like Rondon. It's like. He may not be scoring loads of goals, but every match, everyone's like, oh, geez. Like, yeah. you can see him putting it all out on the line, like winning balls, you know, all the work graded, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I think – and you, you, get, you get a lot of that with Almiron as well. Like, even when 
he doesn't score or assist, his impact is created. He'll get himself a few chances. He'll create chances for others. Um, it's not always going to show up on the stat sheet. But with Perez, it doesn't ever show up on the stat sheet, and he doesn't do anything. So, yeah, I think Almiron will take over, and by the time we play Wolves again, he'll be, you know, very good. And I, I've said it before that I think an Almiron signing is going to be similar to that of Genie Wijnaldum where he's mm. going to make an impact or Kabai, you could even say just going to make an immediate impact and, and even score, score goals. And I think if, if by next spring, if by Saturday, February 9th against wolves, Almiron has scored six goals. Let's give him the club. Let him just be owner, player owner, like Didier Drogba in Phoenix rising. <laughs> Didier Drogba, who's now retired, uh, but, retired. but he's, he was, owner and player for a number of years. If he has six goals in his first month and nine days, then yeah, let's give him the club. <laughs> Assuming yeah. it hasn't been taken over yet. Um, serious question. Discipline over talent. Your thoughts. Um, it, I mean, uh, it's good question, by the way, it's a very good question. And I don't know if it's really discipline over talent when you've got like Modiame still out there. But then again, it's like, who would you put in this place? And so I think, I think the, big, the big person everyone points to is Mitrovic because like, he's been able to score in other places and blah, blah, blah. I genuinely think Mitrovic just like, did not understand the tactics or understood the instructions Rafa wanted. I think that pissed him off more than anything. Um, with Perez, it doesn't seem like discipline's an issue and talent's certainly not the reason he's not he's, – he, like, Muto's not less disciplined than Perez. Like, Rafa's got this unnatural obsession with certain players. And this is something that he's had in multiple clubs where it's, like, it's really hard for them to not start if Rafa likes them. And Perez is one of those guys uh, who's kind of safe. Like, no matter what he does, he's going to end up starting. Um, and he's going to play almost a full 90 minutes. So I, I don't know if it's, like, a discipline over talent thing. I think genuinely Rafa enjoys talent. He's been on the record saying that, he likes to get a lot of guys at you know the same positions in order to create um, battles for positions. Like he wants everyone to be talented, and everyone to be pushing each other to the next level. So I think Rafa cares more about talent. It's just like the situations we're presented with. I think they're just like extremities. Like I, I just if there was another midfielder, like if Marino was still here, I think he'd be starting over Diame. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, I think it's a it's you can answer it with one way. I think what Rafa likes is smart players. And inherently, smart players are disciplined. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That's, yeah. that's, that's a good quote. And I, I think that's just what it is. I think he, because like you said, Mitrovic, he has had a trouble understanding the tac- tactics and created a lot of unnecessary fouls. And that's his, that's Rafa's pet peeve is that. So he, he wants to find that smart player who's not going to make an unnecessary foul or not going to Diame and foul right outside the box. He wants the guy that's going to make the necessary smart, intelligent plays, understand, move with the ball, move with the formation, and, and win. And I think that's more of what he's looking for than talent or discipline. It's more just intelligence. <laughs> I just basically called Mitrovic dumb, but... I don't feel. Well, that. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that was that's been my biggest criticism of Mitrovic because I'm like, it's obvious the guy has the 
the talent. I'm just like, there's just no way that he's not playing because like Rafa, like it, like unless he just doesn't understand any of the instructions, which could be fair. Like, cause I mean, sometimes when he played, it was like, what is this guy doing? But to be fair, like, it seems like Perez doesn't get any understanding of the instructions either. So yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we had, this wasn't a question, but it was from Abby Vias said, Atlanta United making money. Woo! Can't have Almiron after you can have Almiron after we win the MLS Cup. Um, just to let you know it's not the. Well, you're right. It is the MLS Cup. It's just yeah. Not it's the it's, MLS. It's, well, you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give Abby's a guy I know. And Abby, what's up? What's up, Abby? That was just that was not a question. No, it wasn't. <laughs> like, like yeah, I retweeted. We'll, we'll take him. We'll, we'll, take, we'll, we'll, we'll read it. It's just it wasn't a question. <laughs> <laughs> but And we'll take Almiron, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll take Almiron. Yeah, and, and you can win yeah. the cup. It's fine, but we're, we're going to take him now. He's ours. Thank you. <laughs> All right, now from the GOAT, Trevor Mooney, the official questionnaire of Coming Home Newcastle's CHN Radio. Trevor asks, you're the wolf of Wall Street wandering around with infinite possibilities, but you can only have one for the remainder of the season. Number one. Miguel Almiron at Newcastle. Number two, Margot Robbie as your special lady friend. Or three, Jonah Hill as your drinking buddy. Who do you choose? Jeez. This is um, this is a great question. And this is hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, have, no pun intended, by the way. <laughs> that was brilliant, too. Wow. Thank just you. so much greatness going around. Yeah. Um, oh, that's tough. That is tough. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll go first. You think because you're gonna have more creative answer. I think my wife will not be happy if I choose two. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna cancel that out. That's fair. Now, Jonah Hill is. Well, that would be pretty cool to, to have him as my drinking buddy for a year. Um, and if I can only have Miguel Almiron for a year, that's kind of like that means Mike Ashley probably still owns the club and didn't buy out the loan to buy. So I'm gonna take Jonah Hill. <laughs> Because that doesn't mean Miguel Amaran is a permanent signing for Newcastle, and I just can't get behind that. So Jonah Hill is my drinking buddy is the final answer. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie, I don't like uh, Australian people. So Whoa, Toon have- Army Australia or Toon Army Down Under. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, we apologize. I just – the <laughs> obsession with Vegemite is kind of scary to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it's like imagine kissing someone who has like black teeth from Vegemite. That just sounds awful. Yeah. So yeah, I'm out on Margot. Uh geez, Jonah Hill is a drinking buddy. Does sound good, but that also does sound like I'm not gonna remember half of the year. Which that's a bit of an issue. Okay. Like what what use is a good drinking? I mean, I, like I don't know. Maybe it's it's cool, but like. If I don't remember any of the stuff we do, then, you know, was it worth it? And with Almiron, I think I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, if he's not here after this year, then Mike Astor still owns the club because we weren't willing to pay $15 million for a player. That yep. being said, I'm going with Jonah Hill because yeah, it's Jonah. likely that if, if I don't remember anything that's happening, that I probably Snapchatted it, and it's saved in my Snapchat memories forever. So Somebody try to get Jonah Hill on the podcast. Yeah, uh, Jonah Hill. I know you're a big listener. Uh, speaking <laughs> of listeners, I think Paris tweeted out this, this like his like pregame thing that was like 
focused on the match today, and it was like the it was like this emoji plugging his ears in, and it was just just like ah, Iose, stop trying to act like you don't listen to the pod. Like, yeah. come on, you do, you do. Anything else for you? Um, we didn't use the word IO today. Good. Uh, that was no. <laughs> we got to bring that back. Um, I guess other articles, a new series I'm doing. Uh, check it out of like somewhat realistic transfer targets that Newcastle can 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 look at. I did left backs. That was fun. Um, yeah. And Brian didn't understand that the title was a pun. So <laughs> yeah, that, that happened. He yeah. was like, Target. "Did we make a mistake?" <laughs> I was like, "Nope. That's 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 a pun." Um, so yeah, so look out for that. I think the next ser- the next group I'll do is wingers because Rafa said he wanted a winger. So yeah, I'll look at wingers. Awesome. And uh, off my only thing is watch out for Francois Camona, Bordeaux striker. We've scouted him a lot, and I swear something's happening. Um, that's it for us. That concludes episode twenty three of Coming Home Newcastle's CHN Radio. Follow us on social media at Coming Home NUFC. Follow us on Twitter at CHN. Well, yeah, they're both on Twitter at Coming Home NUFC and at CHN underscore radio. Go check out our website. Elijah's posting out some pretty awesome stuff all the time. So is Merza. So is everyone. Go check out. Get on there. Subscribe and rate us five stars. We want more of it. I'm going to leave you with Braden. Oh, Bladen races. So you're welcome. And away the lads. Chain breeze.
rage right into blade and poon. The bellman he was carrying there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him talking to some chaps, and then he was persuading. The gamsy Jordy Ridley showing the mechanics how it bleeding. Quite moody. Coffee Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, We stole the cuddy. There were spice stands and monkey shows, and they had white cell inside us. And a chap with a hat and his own devotion, and no more lads for riders. Oh, no, no. 